0: So uh, whenever you're ready, Melissa.
1: All right. Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers.
0: And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're going to be talking about cordials and liqueurs. This category doesn't always generate a lot of excitement in the industry compared to the surge in tequila and the continuing whiskey boom, but they are critical components of cocktails and mixology.
1: That's true, Kyle. And I'm not just saying this. This is really one of my favorite categories. And it's it's my favorite aisle in the big liquor stores because there's just so many fun and interesting products. Um, But, you know, cordials and liqueurs often get dismissed as mere modifiers to, to cocktails when they're, they are can be the star and they're certainly the backbone of many drinks. But since they're so often used in cocktails, you know, cordials have been much more of an on-premise thing, except for the folks who sip them neat after dinner, like really old school. Like my aunt would always break out a tray <laughs> of cordials after Thanksgiving dinner when everybody was full and groaning and didn't want anything. But... It's a cool tradition. So, you know, even though bars and restaurants, a lot of them were shuttered part of last year because of COVID, you know, with so many people making drinks at home, the category did see a lift in consumption.
0: Yeah, you know, it really was that at-home mixology movement that took place uh, during the pandemic that I think drove a lot of these products. But, you know, I think at the same time, a lot of these were kind of on the rise already. You know, We see consumption of cordials and liqueurs were up 3.1% in 2020. According to the Beverage Information Group's 2021 Liquor Handbook, and that's from our sister brand, uh, and they reached uh, cordials and liqueurs did 26.3 million nine-liter cases in the U.S. You know that's following a rise of 2.7% in 2019. It's not a huge difference, but it's still impressive. And again, that's you know 2019, that's pre-pandemic. So this has been a category on the rise. You know the at-home mixology trend obviously it boomed during the pandemic, but a lot of people were already Uh, making uh, cocktails or increasing their interest in high-end cocktails before the pandemic. And, uh, you know, there's been quite a history of uh, cordials and liqueurs and cocktails.
1: Right. So I started just looking into the history a little bit, and uh, it was so interesting because it it kind of started, in the U.S. anyway, with the coffee liqueurs. Like, Kahlua was launched in 1936, then Tia Maria came out in 1950, Then you had Bailey's in 1974, and then a bunch came out in the late 70s, like Midori, you know, that green melon liqueur um, is from Suntory, actually. It was, was launched in Japan in 1964 under a different name, but it came to the U.S. in 1978 and was actually made its debut here at the launch party of Saturday Night Fever in New York City, which I think was at Studio 54. Um, so then I was also really surprised to see that Frangelico also launched in 1978. You know, I thought that was one of those Italian liqueurs that had been, you know, a brand that had been around for centuries. Um, you know, the, the practice of making sort of liqueur with nuts and herbs and things like that is, you know, they've certainly been doing that for centuries, but the actual brand just came out in 1978. Hmm. And then uh, in Chambord, the raspberry liqueur came out in 1982. And then Peachtree, of course, um, 1984. So if you, I, I have to confess, I've never seen the whole movie, but you know, the movie Cocktail kind of celebrates a lot of these things, you know, really 80s, flashy, um, fruity, sweet things.
0: I don't think I've ever seen that movie either. Somehow it's on my list of movies I want to see, but I'm not sure whether I should
1: me too me too and it's i always like come in in the middle and i'll watch you know some of the flair bartending and and kind of bad acting and i'm like i gotta i gotta see it from the beginning and then i never do but
0: am i incorrect to say that michael caine is kind of like his mentor slash rival in that movie um or am i completely um completely wrong here? it's
1: not michael caine who is it another guy Oh, this is embarrassing, but it's <laughs> another guy that, that is his mentor. I, I think we have to, to watch this and revisit this topic. We do. This
0: could be a podcast. Maybe we'll do this a could podcast where <laughs> we we'll do a recap of Cocktail. I'm sure everybody would love that.
1: All right, we'll work on that. Um, but after all that stuff in the 80s, um, you know cordials really went out of style when the more serious craft cocktails came into fashion like in the early 2000s you know it was all about the classics strong flavors um, you know bitter flavors versus sweet um, and then in like the mid-2000s you know the, the pomegranate, pomegranate liqueur came out in 2006 then you had fireball same year um, Domaine du Canton, the French ginger liqueur in 2007. I think the really big one that year, 2007, was Saint-Germain, you know, the elderflower liqueur that is just everywhere. Like every, uh, so many recipes use it. It's, it's insane. Um, so that really kind of started a lot of, of modern mixology. Yeah, and like
0: everything is elderflower now, it seems like.
1: Yeah, a lot of the, the floral flavors, like, you know, the creme de, de uh, violette, violet, I don't know, um, <laughs> that I think is a pre-prohibition thing, but it wasn't, you couldn't find it in the U.S. for a long time, and then I think someone started making it or importing it um, that same year, 2007, and um, that's used in a bunch of classics, like the the aviation cocktail, Um, I'm trying to think, you don't see, you know, my husband's from Bulgaria and they're all about the roses because they grow them there and they have uh, this rose liqueur. Um, It's really kind of strong and heady though. You have to be careful with it. And I I find that with the violet too. I mean, it can can start tasting like perfume really fast when you're mixing with it. Um, And then it, rum chata in you know, the rum cream liqueur that came out in 2009 you know that was a big one because sort of a new category in the U.S. Um, you know that's that, that twist on the, the horchata drink and let me see so a couple of more recently um you know, I think since St. Germain, everyone's been trying to invent the next new thing, because almost everything is done, you know, every like fruit flavor that you can think of. Um, but some of the interesting ones that have come out is the Ancho Reyes, the chili liqueur that mm-hmm. came out in 2014. Chiro is an aloe liqueur, which I think came out around 2014. Uh, I'm seeing that crop up in a lot of drinks. And uh, Italicus is a liquor uh, liqueur uh, made with bergamot and other Italian botanicals. And just doing the the feature for our magazines on the category a a couple months ago, I I learned a few things like um, Dragoncello is, uh, Vicario Dragoncello, is a liqueur made from French tarragon and other botanicals. And um, it's uh, Italian, but the company making this brand, I, I believe, is in South Carolina. Mm. Um, so I'd never heard of that. I thought that was interesting. And then up in New York, there's a new one called, I'm not quite sure how to say it, but Umi, a, a plum liqueur that just came out in New York in this past spring, in, in spring 2021. So there's still quite a lot of innovation in in flavors and and things like that so it's 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 an exciting category it's not sleepy at all
0: no it really does seem to have perked up
1: are you uh what are the retailers seeing i mean has anyone noted that there's been more sales or more interest as people get into uh, mixing drinks at home
0: yeah, I mean, certainly during the height of the pandemic, as the at-home mixology trend was really blowing up, you heard more retailers saying cordials and liqueurs, you know, they couldn't keep the really popular stuff on the shelf. And it also didn't help that we didn't know at the time, but there was a massive distribution crunch, production shortages in glass that we now know is also part of the shortages. But certainly it did seem during the pandemic that uh, these products became more popular. And I assume that's cooling off a little bit now as people return to on-premise um, but that said, you know, plenty of these brands have had excellent uh, recent uh, sales numbers. Uh, you mentioned Rum Chata. That's been a darling of the category for some time. You know, that was up 15.8% in 2020. That had an excellent year. In fact, I believe that was a top-growing cordial and liqueur in the top 10. I'm looking at our chart right now, uh, and it does appear to be that. Uh, number two was Jack Daniels' Tennessee Honey. That's an easy-drinking product. I mean, that's kind of a cocktail in a glass. Uh, so I'm not surprised to see that going up. And I don't think anybody uh, would be surprised by the number one selling cordial liqueur. Yes, it's Fireball um, by <laughs> a wide margin uh, was up 11.4 percent in 2020. Uh, it sells about three times as much as the number two selling um, liqueur in the country, which is DeKuyper Kuiper from Beam Suntory uh, fireball, you know, there's the old saying as a whiskey nerd, who's always talking whiskey with retailers, you know, part of the saying is, you know, if you want to get Pappy, if you want to get Buffalo trace antique collection, if you want to get any of those rare Sazerac company products, you had better sell a lot of fireball. So I, I think that probably also propels that, uh, brand to higher heights, if you know what I mean.
1: Because they're owned by the same company.
0: Exactly. And, uh, the retailers know, uh, let's just say they know how to, uh, butter the bread the right way. And again, of course, Fireball is a very popular product in general. not trying to say it's some sort of false sales numbers going on here, but certainly uh, (laughs) retailers are motivated to sell that. And it remains a very popular product, period. Uh, Some of the other things here, they're selling well, Grand Marnier, still selling well up 2.9% in 2020. Uh, Kahlua, uh, which my mother can't drink enough of, up (laughs) 3.3% in 2020. Uh, other uh, uh, Bailey's, you know, a little tick up, zero point seven percent, but that remains popular as well. It's these easy drinking cocktail liqueurs that I see here as doing the best at retail.
1: Right. There's uh, there's a new entry to the Irish cream liqueur category. Uh, I think it was this year. Mariah Carey's. Oh, that's right. What is it called?
0: Oh my goodness! I can look it up if you give me a second.
1: Black Irish. Yes. There's no, no need to look it up. My mind's like a steel trap. It'll, uh, it'll yeah, come out that. eventually. <laughs> I
0: couldn't even get my, uh, I couldn't even get, bring the search bar up before you got that.
1: Well, we had a, in our cocktail roundup for the holidays, which is up on Cheers Online right now, um, we picked up one of their cocktails that was like a riff on an espresso martini, and it's called All Irish for Christmas. Yeah, I think that's it. So I was getting mixed (laughs) up like, is that the name of the brand or the drink? (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah, it's I mean, Bailey's is the OG, but we have seen quite a few entries in this category and and a few other uh, type cream liqueurs. So those are always going to be popular, you know, straight as well as, you know, mixed into uh, decadent drinks.
0: Absolutely. And apologies to everybody who we just had all I want for Christmas is you getting stuck in your head again. I, I know we're uh, recording this podcast before the holidays, but it won't come out until January. And the last thing anybody needed was the uh, roaring return of that Christmas classic getting stuck in their head again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Happy 2022. <laughs> That's
0: right. Uh, and, you know, Melissa also mentioned her Cordials and Liqueurs a feature that she wrote for the magazines. Great feature. Be sure to check that out on Beverage Dynamics and or Cheers Magazine. You can search for that under the title, The Latest Trends in Cordials and Liqueurs.
1: One other thing that that came out in that, um, some of the people we talked to, was this resurgence of some of the 80s, 90s kind of disco um, cocktails. Uh, One of the the people mentioned is... um, It's called Jojo's Beloved Mm -hmm. Lounge, I think, in Atlanta. And they have quite a few interesting things, like a Sagittarius, Sagittarian Sour that uses Midori, uh, Singani, which is a Bolivian um, type of brandy, Um, Luxardo Bitter Bianco Lemon, Simple Syrup, and then a cocktail foam. I... I think it's really going to be a big year for Midori. That's mm-hmm. my prediction because I I don't know like a lot of Halloween cocktails use it for the green mm-hmm. and uh, a couple of Grinchy things for the holiday and then of course St. Patrick's Day, but just in general I've seen a couple places kind of touting their take on a on a Midori sour, which was, you know, the big drink when it came out and in the late 70s so uh, another one that jojo's beloved uses um, offers is called my offer is nothing which is a riff on the godfather co- cocktail mm. the godfather i somehow that escaped my drinking knowledge and history but i it's just i think it's equal parts scotch and amaretto mm. and this one at jojo's uh, uses that dragon cello um, tarragon liqueur, which would help maybe dial back some of the scotch or something. So it's, it's really interesting. I, I have to see if I can find some of these, these liqueurs. Cause that's the other thing. We get so many recipes and some of them um, use either house ingredients or more regional brands that, you know, you, you can't find up here, even though we're in the New York area.
0: You know, the movie nerd in me is now trying to figure out when did Michael Corleone say that in the movie? My offer to you is nothing. I think he says it to the crooked politician at the wedding at the beginning of the second movie.
1: Hmm. I can't
0: can't remember if he says that to them or if he says it to, um, uh, is it Roth? No, the gentleman who who he deals with in Cuba in the second movie. But I'm pretty certain it's the um, corrupt politician. Somebody go watch Godfather 2 and get back to us.
1: Yeah, we, we've got to brush up on our movies and cocktails.
0: <laughs> Sub-theme of this podcast is you and I um, struggling with our movie uh, trivia. <laughs>
1: um, that is a good way to learn about cocktails, though, depending on the movie.
0: Certainly. I, I had one question here that was submitted by my wife when I told her we were doing a podcast on cordials and liqueurs. She wanted to know, what's the difference between a cordial and a liqueur?
1: Um <laughs> that's funny. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we must
0: know the answer to that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forgot. I think a cordial is usually uh yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to look that up. We're going to ask
0: Google right now. Liqueurs are basically liquors that have been flavored and sweetened. This term is interchangeable with cordial except in the UK where cordial can also just refer to a sweet non-alcoholic liquid uh naturally it's the uk that's going to have the uh, stark difference between the two of them being non-alcoholic versus alcoholic but it seems like in the u.s the terms are uh synonymous
1: yeah it's i mean it's gonna sound like um trying to think the right word because i almost swore but um (laughs) but i was going to say that because like you know elderflower cordial can just be like sort of a syrup or, or you know, I, I I was thinking that it could be like a non-alcoholic thing used for flavoring, but um, it's, yeah, in the U.S. we don't really say that.
0: <laughs> no, we do not.
1: <laughs> um, so, some of the popular flavors uh, that I've been seeing in liqueurs is grapefruit, which has been for a while. Yeah. I remember I was getting a lot of recipes that, that, um, called for, I think it was Giffard. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, but the Pamplemousse rosé, you know, cream de Pamplemousse rosé, which is pink grapefruit to you, Kyle. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was but my next I, question. I couldn't. Uh, so it's a grapefruit liqueur. Well, I, could not find it for years. I couldn't find anything. And I was probably kind of lazy and only went to a store or two, but I went to the big ones and now there are like five different kinds, you know, a Mm -hmm. lot of, a lot of knockoffs, but that grapefruit liqueur, now that I've finally found it, is one of my secrets, you know, I will put a little in a margarita just to like you know, slightly different flavor or not, or you sometimes use it instead of an orange liqueur, if I'm doing it that way, or sometimes I'll float a little, um, if a grapefruit daiquiri, which is probably sacrilege, but, uh, don't knock <laughs> it till you've tried it. So it's, it's a really interesting, it adds a lot to like flour, uh, to a lot of different kind of cocktails, especially things that use tequila, um, you know, in a Paloma. I'll put a little float on a Paloma too. Um, What else? Banana, banana liqueurs. I have been seeing a ton of those in recipes. Mm. And that, I haven't ever bought it yet. I've got to get some and try some of these things because a lot of whiskeys, especially scotches, will have that sort of banana or tropical flute fruit flavor mm-hmm. and it's you know it's a really interesting mix and delicious not just interesting um and then we're also seeing just riffs on the classic cocktail like i mentioned the um the godfather i just got a recipe in from sweet liberty which is kind of a you know quite a famous cocktail bar in miami and they have something called the Grasshopper 2.0, which uses the creme de menthe, creme de cacao, mezcal, bronca menta, a little absinthe, and, and heavy cream. And I've kind of forgotten what is in a regular grasshopper, but doesn't have mezcal in it. So.
0: <laughs> Probably uh, not. A smoky grasshopper, maybe. Yeah.
1: So... And that sounds really good because mm-hmm. you know regular grasshopper, of course, is delicious, but it's a it's a dessert bomb. That's what it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas something like this would be a lot more balanced, and uh, I imagine a whole lot more boozy.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm reminded uh, of our boss Jeremy, who makes uh, alcohol cookies every single year, including grasshopper uh, cookies, which are delicious with booze in them.
1: Yes, but I remember that one. He he was having to work on that because the mint, in the same way, in a cocktail, it can be you can get yeah. a, you know a face full of toothpaste.
0: It was it was not, definitely a toothpaste bomb. It overwhelmed the first time, but he really dialed it in the second uh, batch of those cookies. I thought.
1: Yeah, it's it's just like making a drink. Once you find that um, yeah that balance, it can be really amazing. Um, yeah, I just I have. St- so many favorite liqueurs i just i can't even um but i will say that kind of i've always been interested in cocktails and you know liqueurs and things like that and and shortly before i well not shortly maybe a couple years before i started at cheers i was at a french restaurant and i had this, this cocktail it was so amazing it was called madame pigal and it was saint germain absolute pear vodka and champagne. I think that was it. It was so good. And I remember at the time, like what is a St. Germain, you know, and I went and tracked it down. I got the pair of vodka. I started making it at home, which is never quite as good, but it'll do in a pinch. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it was just, and then when I started at cheers and there's so much I didn't know, but I was like, Oh yeah, St. Germain. I know that. So it, just it really speaks to the discovery of certain products and brand and the on premise that leads you to the off premise and um, mm-hmm. and even now it's it's still that's how I find out about a lot of things. Um, I feel Absolutely.
0: like. I mean that's that's why it's so good to see the on premise reopening again. It, it benefits everybody, like you said. Experimentation and discovery there leads to purchases off premise.
1: Right, right. And I feel like, uh, you know, I've missed so much by just not going out Mm -hmm. as much that I'm Mm -hmm. like learning a lot of things online or like taking note of things that I need to go buy or go out and try. So I, um, fingers crossed that everything really comes You know roaring back in the coming year because that's we've got to get out there and discover more cocktails and and more products
0: absolutely i mean once you feel safe you know hopefully vaxxed and boosted and you can operate in the world safely it is time to get back out there and start supporting these businesses i mean it has been time to get out there but certainly now and i know obviously with the omicron who knows how it'll look when this thing comes out but again you know if you can find a safe way to get out certainly worth doing
1: absolutely um, so one thing we, we didn't talk about is the uh, bitters and amaro category, like the Campari's and opera and, and all those. So we'll, we'll have to, I think we might classify those as, as cordials in the cores, but there's kind of their own category. And we're going to have to uh, revisit that on its own because there's so many and it's so popular and, uh, you know, a lot happening with mixology with those so part um, part
0: two of this podcast
1: part two or it gets his own part <laughs> its own that's part.
0: right its own pie and well by then we'll figure it out who the other person is in cocktail and uh, when michael corleone said that line and, uh, <laughs> again I, i'm pretty certain it's godfather two i'm like 99.9 percent certain but i can't remember exactly where it is
1: my godfather two knowledge is a little sketchy because i'm not even sure i've seen it I've seen uh, most of it in different parts. Sure, you know. I've seen sure, it, but not sure. all together, and I might have missed some. But but we'll get on that, and we'll we'll maybe we'll do a podcast with um, drinking movies.
0: Yeah, that'd be a good podcast. We should definitely do that. All right. Write that one down. I'm i was it down just right gonna down. say, write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> movie drinking podcast.
1: Drinking podcast.
0: And we'll drink while watching the movie. I like this.
1: Yes. Yes. All right. Well, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you all so much for listening to On and Off.
0: And join us next time when I believe we'll be talking about the rise of sustainability in California winemaking. So that should be an interesting topic when that comes. And that will also be in the new year. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be the new year. So happy new year to everybody
1: and cheers. Happy new year and cheers.